0: We want to welcome you to week number one of our series on the Holy Spirit today, and uh, I am so excited that I get the honor and the privilege to be able to minister on this for the next couple of weeks, and I want to start with a verse that helps set up why this series is so important. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 19, it'll be on the screens behind me in just a moment. If you know the New Testament, it starts with four accounts. One story, the story of Jesus, we call these four books the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the story of Jesus. These biblical writers, his disciples, are telling us about his life, telling us how he was born, telling us how he lived, how he died, and how he was resurrected for us. And then we have the fifth book of the New Testament, which is the book of Acts. Can you say Acts? Acts, yeah. Isn't it amazing? They heard what Jesus did. They did that. Then they come to the fifth book, and he says, now I want you to do what I told you to do. Right? That's where we're at right now in the grand scheme of things, the book of Acts. The New Testament church, that's who we are. And so, so thankful for that. If you know anything about this book, it's a really interesting historical record of the first church, the early church. What's interesting is the whole book starts with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? The whole book of Acts starts with the Holy Spirit. What's interesting is, we are, as we're going to look at today, we're 19 chapters in, which means we're a few decades into the history of the church, and watch what is still going on, verses 1 and 2. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, the inside, and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. These were Christians. They're disciples. They're followers of Jesus. And Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And I love their response. They're like, what are you talking about? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We're a couple decades in to the first church. This first church in the book of Acts, here we are, and they're saying, wait a minute. We haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. No, we have no idea. So what's really interesting is that is still the case today, that there are a lot of people who are going to heaven, they love God, they know about God, but they've never experienced the Holy Spirit. And I think some of the reasons are, I think quite frankly, I think that the Holy Spirit has gotten a bad rap throughout the years. I I think that that he has, and many people are afraid of him, they're afraid of the work of the Holy Spirit, and I think a lot of people in understanding their theology has been based not on what the Bible says, but maybe based on what they've seen in years past, or what they grew up in, or some things they saw on TV. Like, man, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Ghost. You ever heard that? Well, I don't want anything to do with the Ghost either, just to be quite honest with you here. How many of you are with me today? You know, okay? And so, right, or, or uh, man, if I get the Holy Spirit, I might not be able to wear makeup or I'm going to have to wear a lot more makeup. There's a lot more, you know, all right? So, you know, let's just be honest. But there is a lot of confusion, a lot of things associated with the Holy Spirit that simply is not true. And today I want to talk to you about those few things, and the next week I'm going to add on to that. And I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit plays a very vital role if you allow Him in your life. So that's the series for the next two weeks. Let me explain the person of the Holy Spirit not uh, as the ghost, uh, but but more as you look at the, the Holy Spirit, and show you how important his role is in this earth and in your life and in mine as we look at these next two weeks. And I want you to lean in. And I, and I don't want you to raise all the reasons why you don't want to talk or hear somebody speak about the Holy Spirit. You know, I've had some negative experiences growing up as it relates to the Holy Spirit, but I know this, I desperately need him, and there's not a Sunday that comes by that I come and I think I can do this without him that i pray and believe that the work of the holy spirit will come long before we ever arrive here on sunday morning that he would come and do a powerful work and prepare the soil of people's hearts and minds before we even get here i'd like you to i'd like to introduce you today to the holy spirit and the way i want to do that is through his nature One of the things that you need to understand about the nature of the Holy Spirit is the word itself. It gets translated two different ways. It gets translated as spirit or it gets translated as ghost. That's because the English translators had a dilemma. There was not one single English word that really translates well. So if you look at the word and the Holy Spirit 800 times in the Bible, the word spirit Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, you have to look at it through two different languages because our Bible was written in predominantly two different languages. Original. The original manuscript of the Old Testament is in Hebrew. The New Testament primarily is in the Greek language. The Old Testament word for spirit or ghost is the word ruach. Can you say ruach with me? Say it, ruach, and you got to get the huck in there, like you know, want a huckleberry? Like there, you got to get a huck in there, right? That's that's how they, you know, it's in their throat. The translation is not spirit or ghost; it's a wind, it's a breath. So now you know why the English translators, are like, wow, how do we really put this word out there so that people really understand it? It wasn't that easy. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Breath, right? We understand a little bit more about the nature of the Holy Spirit inside of this word. It's actually used in the second verse of the Bible in Genesis chapter one and verse two. Now the earth was formless. This is the creation account. It's dark. And the breath, the wind that came out, came out of the mouth of God, and it had the power to create the whole world, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness of the deep, right? That's what the Bible tells us. And this is where we get life, and this is where we have the creation and where creation happens. Let's go to the New Testament. It's written in Greek. It's the word pneuma. Can you say pneuma? Pneuma. The definition is not spirit or ghost. It's a current of air. It's a blast of breath, and it's a strong breeze, one of the many places that this is used in the New Testament, it's actually Jesus talking in John chapter 6 and verse 63. He said, every time I speak, the words I have spoken to you, they have breath, wind, a strong breeze in them, and therefore they are life. It actually brings life to you. There's the word spirit. That is the word spirit as we look at it. And so meaning the words that are in the Bible are not normal words, Amen. The words of God are not normal words. We need to understand that. They are his breath. They are the breeze of God coming out from his mouth that has the ability to create. And the word actually contains the fulfillment of these very words. They are breath. He says, I want you to experience them So that your Christianity is not something stale, it's not something memorized, and it's not something robotical. That your Christianity is alive and it has breath and life on the inside of it. So in order to understand this ruach, this pneuma, this blast of air, this wind, why don't we look at the characteristics of the wind, like in the natural, and show you how they parallel to the Holy Spirit. And maybe you'll get a little more comfortable at relating to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer. So the Holy Spirit is a person... And that you should not be afraid of him or resist him, but you should desperately want him in your life. So here are four characteristics if you're taking notes. The first one is wind is unseen, right? Wind is unseen. You know that. So, so here's what's going to happen. When you and I today, this is a beautiful morning, isn't it? God has given us a beautiful morning here today. And as you go outside and it's going to get warm and it's already starting to get warm, but you're going to experience a wind and a breeze that is going to come up, and, and you're going to say, wow, that feels so good. How many of you know a breeze feels so good when you're out in the searing sun? That it comes and it is refreshing to you, and how many of you know that no one's freaked out by going outside and saying, wow, that breeze feels so good. But when people come into the church and they're experiencing the Holy Spirit and they say, wow, what was that? There's a breeze. I feel God's presence. We get freaked out by that. This is the very nature of the Holy Spirit. You say, did you feel it? No, I didn't feel anything. What are you feeling, man? This is a freaky. freaky. But we get freaked out by this stuff, and we shouldn't because it's the very nature of who God is in his presence. Someone might say, well, you're not supposed to run on feelings, but it's sure good to know what you're running on. Amen? Feelings aren't bad. We can't base our Christianity on them, but I believe God's presence is to be felt and to be experienced in our life. My prayer for you is not to be impressed with Abundant Life Church or a video, or whatever it may be, but I want you to have a moment in the message or in the worship, and you say, wow, God is here, and God is here changing my life, and I sense that he's changing other lives as well. Let me show it to you here in the words of Jesus, John chapter 14 This is a conversation of Jesus with the disciples at the Last Supper, verses 16 through 17. The meal before he would go to the cross that's happened on Thursday night, the vast majority of the conversation was about the Holy Spirit. He says, look guys, I'm gonna pay for the sins of you and the world, and you're not gonna see me anymore, I'm gonna be resurrected, and I'm gonna sit at the right hand of God, and I'm gonna be an intercessor for every prayer that you pray, but I don't want you to be alone. I don't want you to be alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit that's going to be on earth and is going to be with you since I am not going to be here anymore. He says, I'm going to ask the Father and he's going to give you another advocate, the Bible says. Some translations say comforter. Some say counselor. Look what his job is. It's not to scare you. He's here to help you and to be with you forever because he is the spirit of truth. Watch this. The world's going to laugh at you The world cannot accept us because it neither sees them. Most people are only comfortable with what they see. Isn't that true? They can't handle the part of God that is felt. There's an unseen nature of God, and that is his presence. So the world cannot accept him, but you know him. But you know him. How do you know him? Because he lives within you, and he will be in you. You can't see him either, but but he's right in here. He's inside of you living, right? That's why you come, that you and I come from a dry and weary and, and a week that's been difficult, and we get a little wind in our sails throughout the service day through the time of praise and worship through the time of interaction with one another, through the time of the preaching. And we say God's here and how refreshing that is. That is a powerful moment for our lives. And if you never knew that before, this is the time to fill your sails with the wind of the Holy Spirit so that you and I can go out and sail into the new week. Here's the second thing. The wind is unpredictable. It is unpredictable. It will shift on you. So it blows in this direction, and the next moment it blows in that one. That's, that's why you see those, uh, those orange windsocks at the airport. You ever seen those windsocks? Because why? Well, you see that they are looking for the change of wind that happens on the spot. And yes, they have all this fancy equipment now, but they're still out there to let the air traffic controllers know, hey, if there's been an immediate shift of change of wind in the air, that they're going to know it in real-time information out in the middle of the airfield. A lot of us don't like that part of God because we like God all neat and tidy. Now isn't that the truth? Because we think God should act this way, but we have to know that the wind of the Holy Spirit is unpredictable in our life. So God just doesn't do it the same way every time, right? Because that's predictable. So let me talk to you about that. You know why he doesn't do it the same way every time? Because you will worship the system and not him. And there's a lot of people worshiping systems in the world that we live in. They're worshiping a system, and they think it only should happen this way, and God will only show up this way, but we have to understand we're here to worship Jesus, and he is here to do what he wants to do. Then people will worship God rather than the experience. John chapter three and verse eight, Jesus said the wind, this is the word pneuma, blows wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, you don't know where it come from or where it's going, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has an unpredictable nature. God one time talked to a person out of a burning bush. You remember who that was? It was Moses. God chose the time to speak to Moses that way. God doesn't always use a burning bush, does he? No. See, but some people are locked into a system. They think only God can work through this situation through a burning bush. He only did that one time that we see a burning bush experience. One time a guy came to Jesus and had a blind friend with him, and he didn't ask Jesus to heal him. You know what he said? He he said, Jesus, put your hand on him. Do, Do the hand thing, Jesus. And Jesus knew what was in this guy's mind and his thoughts. Oh, you think the system is what healed him? And since the guy requested Jesus to lay his hand on him, Jesus said he didn't do it. Instead, he spit and made mud with his spit and put the mud spit on the dude's eyes. You just imagine the guy's like, "Whoa, Jesus! What in the world are you doing in this circumstance? And you know, Jesus, I expected you just to lay your hands on him because that's what you've done before. No, I'm going to do something different because the wind of the spirit is unpredictable." Amen. That is how the work of the Spirit works in our lives, and that's what makes many people uncomfortable with it. Why did Jesus use the spit to heal the guy? Because the guy thought the hands were the trick. you got to be careful about tucking God into something that your brain only understands so that you're not worshiping a system. God needs to bring revival to America And it's not going to happen by expecting God to show up like he did before, but that he is going to come in an unpredictable way and breathe on America again in the name of Jesus. Amen? Just encourage you to look back at the history of revival and the awakenings. God never did it the same every single time, never. So he's not going to do the next wave of his spirit the same. That's for sure. He's unpredictable, and that's a great thing. Amen? The third thing is wind is powerful. Can you say powerful? Powerful. Yeah, wouldn't you agree? It can generate electricity. It can sail a ship. It can destroy a city. The powerful nature of wind in in tornadoes that you see and and in hurricanes that come through, Uh, many of you are, are going through things that human power cannot fix this morning. And God, help us if we can relegate ourselves to just what we can fix. It's really a shame that we would distance ourselves from the work of the Holy Spirit because of some way that we have seen the Holy Spirit packaged, and that has turned us off from the work of the Holy Spirit. But I want to implore you to get close to the person of the Holy Spirit, and you will experience His power. Acts chapter 1 says that you will receive what? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to go back and we're going to say that power. Power. No, this is a power word. This is a dunamis word. He said you will receive power, right? You will receive power when my spirit comes on you. Wow, you will receive the power that you need when my spirit comes on you. And so how many of you would say today, God, I'm open to your power. I'm open to your presence. I'm open to your holy presence in this moment to do a work inside of me because I'm facing some things in my life that human power cannot fix. And the same is true with us and each one of us that we need the power of God. You ever heard of a guy by the name of Charles Finney? He is considered to be the father of modern revivalism in America. He was the ni- he is a 19th century attorney and also a Presbyterian minister, and he was comfortable in his own words knowing God only on the intellectual level only. And in his life, according to his testimony, it was very lifeless, very predictable, and, and honestly, in many cases, he said it was very difficult for him to live that way. Then he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and these are his words. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul, and I could could feel the impressions like a wave of electricity going through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. I love that. For I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. There are some of you today that it is absolutely mission critical in your marriage and in your job and with your friends and with your health and with your emotions and better, with, better yet with your Christianity that you get some fresh air in those sails to lift you and propel you into all that God has for you. And that leads to the last characteristics of wind. Wind is refreshing. Can you say refreshing? The Holy Spirit wants to refresh you. Did you know that? In fact, the Bible says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 through 10. It says that if your eye saw everything that God wanted for you, your eye wouldn't believe it. If your ear heard it, your ear wouldn't even understand it. In fact, your mind cannot hold everything that God has prepared for those who love him, but how does he get to you? How does he get inside of you? He reveals it by the Holy Spirit. See, so many have stayed away from the Holy Spirit And said, hey, I'm just staying away from the Holy Spirit because we understand that we have to know as we come that there is much resistance. And I could talk about all the resistance, and many of you know that with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, people, there's churches, and there's some people, oh, no, the Holy Spirit, His work is done, all that. Jesus came, but listen, it's inside of the Word of the Lord, and we've got to want the Word of the Lord from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, because it's all of the gospel because it's God the Father, it's God the Son, and it's God the Holy Spirit, that you would take a deep breath and let him in your life and see how refreshing it can be. The Bible would tell you, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. That's what he's saying in Ephesians 3 and verse 20. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of life inside of you and in making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted, he tells us. How do we do that? Three things. Number one, let go of your fears and your misperceptions that aren't based on the Bible. Right? All of us have them as it relates to God, and many of us have them as it relates to the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is neither unbiblical or outdated. He's not spooky or weird. That that everything that God has for you inside of the Holy Spirit is good, and he wants you to have it. That Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, trust God from the bottom of your heart and don't try to figure out everything on your own right, but you come and trust him. Let go of your fears and misperceptions as we talk about this today, but also as we talk next week, because next week is Pentecost Sunday, and I want to talk to you about Pentecost and and what that means and and us as the early church. Number two, go all in. We talked a little bit about this last week. Go all in. Go all in on every topic. Well, I come around church about every three or four weeks and fit God in when I got time. It doesn't work that way. If you want all that God has for you, you need to be here consistently week in and week out and that you realize that if you're just here every three to four weeks, you're just halfway in. But that you would be here every single week and press into all that God has for you and that you would go all in. See, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me. Pause. Conditional. You will seek me and find me, it's conditional now from this point forward, when you seek me with all of your heart. Not every three to four weeks, not God when I can fit you in, only when I think about you, but the conditionality of it, it says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart and you're all in. And it takes three to six months of consistently getting God in your life on a daily basis, and you'll find God show up consistently in your life. Number three, develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. This this is really amazing because we need to develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. That, That is his role in your life. God the Father has a role. Jesus the Son has a different role because the Holy Spirit has another role in your life that you and I need life, and we need to develop intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And actually, all three of these roles are mentioned in one verse, and I'm going to show it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says this, and this is a beautiful benediction, right? What's a benediction? It's at the end. It's the culmination of what God is saying, and here's what he says. A beautiful benediction 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. That we would understand the roles of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing? That's how God's Word is laid out. Old Testament, God, though all Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all there, but we have predominantly, we see God. New Testament, we have Jesus. Third is the work of the Holy Spirit. We need all three to be in operation in our lives because God's Word says you need to have this. And so we have God the Father. His role is to love you, that He loves you. He loves you today. There's some of you in this room that have never settled this issue in your heart. There's some of you here that have trouble accepting God's love because of your earthly father. And there's some that need to be healed from that experience so that you can understand that God loves you with an everlasting love today, that God's thinking about you even though you messed up this week. Do you know that? My kids need me most when they mess up, right? Right? They need us the most when we mess up. And sometimes we think, well, they don't need me the most. They messed up. They're rejecting my authority. They're doing..." No, our kids need us the most when they've messed up. And God knows that today in our lives. They, the value is in the price that was paid through Jesus Christ that we are so loved. Jesus has a role, too, that God the Son saves me and that he has forgiven me and redeemed me. We praise him because he saved us. And there's a role that the Holy Spirit wants to play in your life. God, the Holy Spirit, who just simply wants to be with you. So many are a sailboat with no wind. There's a place called the doldrums. You ever heard about it? It's not just a saying. It is a real place called the doldrums. And the word doldrums means stagnant or listless. It's a place near the equator well, the trade winds of the north, they come and meet the trade winds from the southern hemisphere, and there is no wind in that spot. It's called the doldrums. Before motorized ships, if you sailed there accidentally, you didn't get out, you died there. Some of you in this room are in the doldrums, and you're about ready to die, and you need the Numa, and you need the Ruach and you need the fresh air of the Holy Spirit because you're listless and you're stagnant in your relationship before God the Father. That you and I don't have to stay in the doldrums any longer because of the wind of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That all you have to do is open your heart before God today. Open your heart to the work of the pneuma, to the ruach to the wind of the Holy Spirit and let him breathe on you. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work in our lives that you have a role in us to bring life, to bring us out of the doldrums today where we're listless, where we're stagnant, that, that we would be honest before you today that we are desperately in need of you to come, that we open up our heart. We open up our hearts in this moment and that you would come and fill us with the breeze and the breath, Lord of heaven. And that, Lord, we would send you to do a new work. Bring a life-giving work through your spirit. And God, as we go through this series, I pray that this church and anybody that is here, that is in the doldrums, that is listless or stagnant, that, Father God, today and in these next couple of weeks, God, that they would allow you to do a mighty work of the spirit and that, God, you would lift them out of the doldrums and lift them out of the things that are not life-giving, that are death, and breathe on us as a church, I pray. Breathe on us, Lord. Breathe the breath of heaven. Lord, we need you. Lord, revive us again. Revive this nation again. God, we are listless. We are stagnant. Help us as a church to be a life-giving church to a world that is stagnant, that is lost and dying. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen.